Amen. Uh, well, uh, like Trev said, my name is Matt. Um, I am uh, one of the elders here at the church, um, and I, I get to preach every once in a while, so it's, uh, it's an exciting thing for me uh, to be able to, to bring God's Word uh, to us this morning. Uh, this morning we are going to be in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. So if you have your Bible or an app uh, on your phone, uh, turn to Revelation uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and our ushers can uh, bring you a Bible um, as well. Uh, and, and we're going to be in Revelation, obviously, uh, for the main text, but, but there is a lot of other texts that I am going to be reading, so um, we, we'll kind of be all over the place in the, in the Word of God, but um, it, it really helps, I think, uh, to take the Word of God and apply the Word of God from the Word of God. So, so that's what we're going to be doing today. So, Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. This is the Word of God. Uh, let us pray, and uh, then we'll jump into this. Father God, thank you so much uh, for your word that you have given to us and how it can guide and direct us uh, as we learn how to be uh, followers of Jesus. Uh, Father, just speak through me this morning as, we bring, as I bring the word and uh, help us all to listen well uh, and spirit be uh, moving in this room, uh, in the hearts and minds of the people that are here. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was um, preparing for the, the sermon uh, this morning, um, or, or the, during the week, um, you're going to have to run the slides for me. Uh, that would be great. Um, so as I was pre preparing this morning, and, or uh, during the week, and looking over things, and I'm, you know, I always try and look for, you know, what's a story, what can I tell, what can I use so that at the beginning I can get us all kind of tracking on the same page, and, you know, we're, this is a message to a church uh, that was suffering, and Jesus is speaking to them and telling them what, what He wants them to hear, and, and I think that you know, are, as a church, are we, suffer, are we really suffering? Or have we really suffered in any way? And so I, was, I could have gone online and found a bunch of stories about churches from around the world that are being persecuted because of their belief in Jesus and because they boldly proclaim the gospel. And those would have been good stories. 
and they're true and, and they do, in, in different ways, they do touch our hearts and get us connected. But I didn't really feel like any of those would really fully connect us to suffering as a church because we don't face that stuff here today. It's just not our reality. So one of the, the main thing that I want us to focus on this morning as we go through uh, this is I want us to ask our, as a church, as a body of believers, as we sit together and as we do church together on a weekly basis, do we know and understand who Jesus is? And because of who Jesus is, does that change the way we do life? That, that's going to be what we're going to hear over and over again as I go through the message this morning. So last week we heard about the church in Ephesus. And in the church of Ephesus, God had, or, you know, Jesus brought some, a message to the church in Ephesus he had some good and he had some bad. Okay, he was, he was telling them that, you know, you guys are doing good at persevering. You guys are doing good at defending doctrine. And you're, you're doing these things well. But at the same time, I have something against you because you've lost your first love. And so Trev took us through what that means for us and how we can apply that to us. But today, so today we're going to be looking at chapter 2, Church of Smyrna, and I want to accomplish two things out of this. I want us to uh, break down this passage and, and understand, well, what is Jesus saying to the church in Smyrna? And what, what is it telling them in their context and how would they have understood it? And then I want us to look at, well, how can we apply that to us? And as we look at the application section, I want us to really focus on not me as an individual or you as an individual, but us as a body. Okay, Because again, what was this? This was a message to a church, not to an individual. So Jesus is speaking to a church and we are a church too. Uh, and so we need to hear what Jesus is saying to the church. So start off here and we're going to do a little bit of background uh, information on the Smyrna itself. Uh, Smyrna was a very rich, affluent city. Um, it was located uh, in the Aegean Sea, near the Aegean Sea, and it, there was a major road system that, that connected right by it. And so it was a major trade route. Uh, and in particular, actually, they did a lot of trade in wines. Um, so if you're a wine lover, it would have been a good region to be in. Um, and so with this, though, the, being a beautiful city, they were able to um, do a lot of things for the Roman Empire itself. And, and Rome, um, this was during that, that time when Rome, uh, they really started, they started worshiping Rome itself, and, and especially the emperor. So emperor worship was really big. So the first temple to the Dia Roma or the goddess of Rome was built in Smyrna. Uh, and they were very proud of this, that, that they were the city that was chosen to have this temple 
there. And then under the emperor Domitian, uh, if you were a Roman citizen, you had to, once a year, take a, a pinch of incense and burn it on an altar to the godhead of the emperor. And then you would receive a certificate from the Roman authority saying that you had fulfilled your religious duty for that year. Okay, so this is, that's what they had to do. And as a church, the church in Smyrna had to make a choice. Am I going to take this pinch of incense and burn it on the altar saying that the emperor is God? Because if I did that, then I was free to go worship however I wanted to. Because I had fulfilled my obligation to the Roman uh, authority. But most of the Christians in Smyrna chose not to do this. And so they were persecuted for that. And we'll see that there is persecution that they are facing. So what do we see in the passage here? Uh, first of all, we're going to look at who Jesus is because I think the, the passage really, that's where the passage starts. In verse 8 it says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. So this is a description of who Jesus is. And, and we're told first and foremost that He is the first and the last. So this is talking to us about His eternal character. And if we look in, in Isaiah, um, we see that these were... Jesus being the first and the last, these were terms that were only used for the Lord God Yahweh by Israel. And so in, in Isaiah chapter 41, we see who has performed and done this, call, done this, calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am He. So it's, a, it's an important description of who Jesus is, that this is who is speaking. I, I am God. I was at the beginning. I was there. I, I was at creation. And, and I am also at the end. I am eternal. And, you know, why? You know, why? Why would He tell this to the church in Smyrna? Why would that be something that comes out of His mouth and saying, this is what I want you to hear first, that I am the first and the last. I am the one who was dead but came to life. And that's speaking of Jesus' physical body that was here on earth and lived and died and then was resurrected from the death and defeated death. Why would He tell the church this? Well, look at the situation. We talked about Smyrna being an area that was... They worshipped Rome. They worshipped the emperor. That was what happened there amongst the other worship of other gods that was there. And so this church was being persecuted because of their belief in Jesus. And Jesus is bringing them back and He says, Do you know who I am? I am the first and the last. I am the one who was dead and has come to life. And so this is actually, this is an encouragement 
for that church. As they hear this, they are being reminded of this is the Savior whom I serve. And because this is the Savior that I serve, He can handle anything that we are, that we are facing in the form of persecution. He is capable because He is the first, He is the last. He was dead and now He is alive. So He's encouraging the church through this as we see. So what do we know? What does Jesus know moving on here? Um, we see that Jesus, so, so the church has been told like this is who Jesus is. I'm reminded now, so now I'm tracking with, okay, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is reminding me that I need to know He was the first, He was the last, He was dead, and now He is alive. And now I'm, He's going to say, well now, let me tell you what I know about you as a church. And he's, He starts off with saying that I know your tribulation and your poverty. So he knows what they're facing. And, and it comes back to again that Jesus is the sovereign of time. And he knows all things. And so he can, he can look down and say, guys, I know what you're going through. So Jesus is reassuring the church that despite their tribulations, he understands. He knows and he's again he's encouraging them because he himself has experienced the tribulation and the suffering he is the god who has suffered the servant king who came and suffered in matthew if i can find it in my bible matthew chapter 7 or excuse me matthew chapter 17 in here somewhere you know they make the pages in the bible so small it's like you can't you can't flip through them very fast you know without ripping them makes it difficult um matthew chapter 17 verse 12 it says but i tell you that elijah has already come and they did not recognize him but did to him whatever they pleased so also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands so jesus telling the crowds here that, or actually the disciples, he's telling the disciples that Israel persecuted Elijah, who was a prophet. And they're also, he, he was telling them that I also, as Jesus, I am going to suffer at their hands as well. And so again, Jesus saying, I know what you're suffering. I know your tribulation and your poverty. But I understand, I am the one who has faced this as well. I lived on earth as someone who was in poverty. He wasn't a wealthy, he wasn't a king that sat on a throne and, and ruled with you know, money and power. But he was a lowly servant who served those who he touched and worked with. And then he suffered at, at the hands of the religious leaders. 
And so Jesus is telling them, look, remember who I am and be encouraged that I know and understand what you are going through. And then he talks about, you know, I know your poverty, but you are rich. So this was a, church, a poor church. The church in Smyrna, being a Christian there, more than likely would have meant that you would have lost your job. Because you weren't in line with what the Roman you know, government wanted you to know and wanted you to do. And because you weren't doing that and you were saying, no, I am a follower of Jesus. This is what I believe and I'm going to stand up for it. I'm not going to start to follow what Rome wants me to do. They would, you would you know, lose your job. They wouldn't, you know, your boss would be like, well, you're out, you're out, you're done. And, and so they were poor. They didn't have the financial means that, that we see even in our church today. But Jesus is saying you're rich. And, and what is He's saying that they're rich spiritually. And that being rich spiritually outweighed being rich with money and with possession. Okay, so they, and, and the church, they understood that. Jesus is just reminding them, remember that you are rich spiritually. Remember that you are actually seeking that which is eternal and not that which just rots. In Matthew again, uh, chapter 6. Again, these pages, I tell you what, it's going to kill me. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the church understood. That's what they were doing. They were laying up treasure in heaven, not here on earth. And so this was an important for them to see that they were maintaining a spiritual richness. Jesus understood that and He was reminding them of that. But it all, again, it all is linking back to I understand who Jesus is. I know that. Because he, that's what he started with again. He started with the fact that I am the first and the last. I am the one who died and came to life. I know the tribulation that you're going through. I know the, that you have poverty, but remember how rich you are spiritually and continue to seek after the richness of eternal perspective. And then Jesus knows, He says, I know that, that, that you are being slandered of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. It's a, it's a huge remark right there. And really, you could probably preach a whole sermon on that one verse, uh, or that one half of a verse. Um, 
but what was Jesus doing? Jesus was reminding them that, um, you know, remember, I've rebuked, I rebuked the Jewish leaders when I was here on earth. And I told them that they were leading people astray because they did not understand that I was the Messiah. And they felt that their religious ways were more important And that's what they needed to teach the people. You have to do this and this and this. And if you're not doing our list of rules, which was just inordinate, and I mean, just I the it's mind-boggling to think that they actually, you know, felt like, okay, if you're gonna, you can do all this, you'll be able to be accepted by God. And Jesus is saying, no, you guys are are a brood of vipers. And he called them whitewashed tombs. Because you're leading the people astray. Because you do not understand that I am the Messiah. And so, historically in Smyrna, there was a large Jewish population there. And they were very hostile to the Christians. They didn't, they didn't like them. They even participated in the persecution of the Christian church. Uh, and so when they're when Christians were arrested and uh, sent to prison and then sentenced, uh, and that meant that typically when they went to prison, they were sentenced, and that, that meant they were sentenced to death. And they went into the arena and they were fed to the lions. And the Jewish people would be there watching. And so Jesus is saying, I know that this is who is persecuting you. And so he can call them a synagogue of Satan. He, that, he had the right to call them that because they were not leading the people to Christ. They were, they were coming in and they were turning people away. And so they were a, a synagogue of Satan because they were teaching and doing that which was contrary to the Gospel message. And therefore they were doing things that were dictated by Satan and not by God Himself. And so for the church in Smyrna, it was important to hear this, that Jesus knew what they were going through and because of who He was, they could be comforted. Because again, it goes back to who is Jesus? Do I understand who Jesus is? So we've seen that Jesus is the first and the last. He is the one who has died and come to life and that He understands what the church is going through. All of the different things. And so now we see that Jesus is going to actually... I want you guys to do some things. As a church, I want you to do some things. Uh, And so first and foremost, what does He say? In the text right here, verse 10, says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Do not be afraid. I mean, if you're facing persecution like the church in Smyrna was facing, which usually meant death, you would be afraid. I would be afraid. But Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Stop. Stop being afraid. And, and when I first read this, I was just like, man, this is 
it's crazy. Like, it's kind of a bold thing to do. Like, you know, don't be afraid. Like, it's a, it's a natural human instinct for us to be afraid when things are, are not, you know, going as we had planned or, or when, you know, we're facing this kind of persecution. And so for, as a church, it's like, why, why would he tell them not to be afraid? And again, I think it's going back to he was reminding them from the beginning, as we saw in verse seven, 8, he's saying, do, do you know who I am? Do you know and understand who I am? I am the first and the last. I am the one who was dead and has been raised. And so because of this, do not be afraid. Because you know who I am. And you understand who I am. So don't be afraid. And they, they could understand that yes, I can live without fear because I know who Jesus is. And then He also warns them about coming suffering and persecution. He says, I know what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for ten days you will have tribulation. And so he's, you know, he's reminding them, hey, I know there's some stuff coming. Again, I'm telling you that I am the sovereign over all. All things, all time. So I know, hey, there's going to be some suffering, but I want, and I'm, I want you to know this because I want you to stand firm in the persecution. Jesus wants the church to know that they are part of a spiritual battle that will not last forever. Okay, Because what does He say? He says there, for ten days you will have tribulation. And honestly, the uh, scholars, men that are, you know, spend their time mulling over the Greek and the Hebrew and and, and looking at what does this really mean that when he says you will face tribulation for 10 days. And there's a, there's a lot of different um, thoughts on this. So we're, um, I think the main thing that we need to see here is that he wants the church to stand firm because they know that he is the one that is in charge of the time. He is the one that is in charge of everything that is happening. And that this persecution that they are about to face, all it, it's coming straight from Satan himself. The devil is the one that is persecuting you. He is the one that is going to throw some of you into jail. Because, he, again, who is, Satan is against anything that God wants or says. And so these are people that are living for Jesus. And so Satan doesn't like them. And so he's going to have them thrown in prison. But, this will be measured and limited by God. So Jesus is reminding the church, this is who I am. I am in control of all things and I am Lord over time. And so you're going to suffer, but it's only going to be for a time. And there will be an end. But then he also, I think it's also interesting that he says, we're going to suffer, but why? You're, I want you to be tested. That you may be tested. And so, Satan's persecuting the church 
And it is Satan that was bringing the persecution, but it was God who was doing the testing. God was testing the believers here. And so we see that God does this for several reasons. He tests them to purify the church. And He does it to make them more like Jesus. Okay, so there's a purification process that the church is going through and there's the process of, again, even though you guys know and understand who I am, I am continuing to make you more and more like me so that you can withstand the suffering. And, and, and in the suffering that they were going to face, God was going to show the true riches of the church of Smyrna both to themselves as well as to those that were going to watch and be a part of the persecution. God was going to show the true riches of that church and that they knew and understood who Jesus was and is. And it's interesting to note that Smyrna is present-day Izmir. And of the churches, of the seven churches that are mentioned in Revelation, the church in Smyrna is the only church that still exists today. And we saw in the church of Ephesus that God removed, said that He would remove the lampstand. And where is Ephesus today? It is a pile of rubble. There is nothing there. But the church of Smyrna stood the time, they withstood the test because they knew and understood who Jesus was. And, and fourthly, um, Jesus wanted the church to, it says, but be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So Jesus is saying, be faithful even if death is going to come your way. Be encouraged that you know who I am and remain faithful to the end because as the one who has been dead and raised, will I not be able to raise you from the dead And because I have given you eternal life. And so can you truly die? And, and, and do you really need to fear death itself? Because you have eternal life in me. So he wants them to stand firm. Jesus is, you know, he's just told them, Stop, be, don't be afraid. Stand firm. You're going to be tested. Remain faithful. But hey, guess what? I'm gonna, I have some promises to give you as well. He says here, uh, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. What's the crown of life? Well, uh, in, the, in the Greek language, it's interesting, there's two different types of crowns. Uh, one is that which is for uh, a king, so it's a royal crown. And then there's another one that's the word Stephanos. And this is a crown that was used in marriage and in special celebrations as well as for uh, athletes uh, when they would run. And, and if they won, they were given a crown. And so Stephanos gives us the picture of Jesus and His bride, which is the church, standing, wearing their crowns as being victorious. And so that's what the church of Smyrna would have understood. 
that Jesus is giving me the crown. I am victorious because of who Jesus is. And, and this is a promise of eternal life. Because Jesus also promises that as believers, we will, it says, will not be harmed by, by the second death. And so as they were followers of Jesus and had eternal life, when Jesus returns and there is the final punishment and people are judged for what they have done, some will be cast into the lake of fire and some will remain with Jesus in heaven. And he's saying, you will not have to go and be harmed by the lake of fire. I have, you will indeed receive eternal life. So Jesus is saying, because of who I am, you are secure throughout eternity. So again, he is reassuring them that because of who I am, you can endure to the end. Because you are secure throughout eternity. So what does this mean for us? What are we supposed to do with this as a church? It says, you know, at the, at the end of, of all these passages, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the churches. So here at Urban Grace, as one of the churches of many churches that are around, have we heard what the Spirit is saying? First of all, do we as a church know and understand who Jesus is? This is very, very important. Do we understand who Jesus is? Do we understand that He is the first and the last? He was at the beginning. He was there when God created the earth. And He will be at the end. Do we understand that? Do we understand that He is the one who was dead because He died on a cross, but yet He conquered death and is now raised, sitting at the right hand of the Father? Do we understand that? That as the first and the last, He knows all things, sees all things and controls all things. Everything is under His control. As the one who has died and been risen, do we understand that He has suffered all persecution and so He understands just as He understood what the church in Smyrna was going through, He can understand any kind of suffering or persecution that we as Urban Grace might face. So as a body of believers, as we know and understand that this is the God that we serve, we learn to suffer well because we are united together being supported by Jesus Christ the Head. Jesus is the senior pastor of the church. He is the one that knits us together. And do we understand who He is? And are we poor yet rich in God's eyes? You know, this was an interesting thing for me to ponder, you know, because when I, 
when when you look at the church in Smyrna, they were obviously they were in poverty. They didn't have jobs. They so money wasn't coming in. They didn't have a lot. But we live in in Calgary. It's a very rich and affluent city. And a lot of us aren't poor. Yeah, some of us have more money, some of us have less money, but when it comes down to it, you know, to looking at poverty, we really aren't in that area, in that scheme. And so it's, it's kind of hard for us to understand that, well, you know, this church is poor, but they're rich, you know, because we, we have stuff. So are we buying in to what society tells us and saying that we, we as a church, we need to be rich and affluent as a church? And so we have to have, you know, the, the best production and, and our videos have to be the best and we have to be producing a lot of things uh, because we're a rich and affluent church. Or are we willing to be rich spiritually and seek after that which is eternal instead of seeking after what the world tells us that we might need. So have, have, you know, have we really taken this posture as a church in the decisions that we make and how we operate? Are we saying that, yes, I would rather be rich spiritually knowing who Jesus is and that that's going to change the way I do life, even if that means I'm going to lose my money. And even if that means as a church that we're not, we're not going to be a rich and affluent church, but we're going to be impacting the city with the gospel message because that was what's more important to us than actually having the money. And do we know that we too can suffer to the end. It was through knowing who Jesus was that the church in Smyrna withstood the persecution that they faced. Okay, they understood who He was. And then they passed the test that God gave them. And they are still a church. But, but the thing is, is that it changed the way they did life because of their understanding of who Jesus was, they were able to withstand and they lived their lives and even in the face of death, they were able to say, yes, this is the Jesus that I serve. And this is who I know He is. And no, we don't suffer today. We don't. We do not suffer like this church. And a lot of times, we forget who He is and what He has done. And it doesn't make a difference in our lives because we forget. And this is the Jesus that said to this church, I am the first and the last. 
I am the one who has died and has been raised. And then he reminded them that you are doing well. You are suffering the way I want you to suffer. And as I, Jesus, test you, you are remaining faithful. And maybe one day we will suffer like the church in Smyrna. You know, we live in a society that is constantly turning more and more anti-Christian and anti-church. And so maybe there will be a day when we have to face this kind of persecution that we will be put in prison and executed for believing in Jesus. You know, because do we also not remember that Satan is fighting against us all the time? He hates what we do as a church. He doesn't like that we proclaim the Gospel every Sunday. That we meet throughout the week in our city groups and proclaim the Gospel to each other. He hates that. And so he's fighting against us. But do we remember that Jesus has promised us the crown of life? And obviously I get emotional about this. Because Jesus is touching me. My life has been transformed. And as a church, we need to live transformed lives because this is the Savior that we serve. He is the first and the last. He is the one who has died and was raised. And He has given us the crown of life. We are victorious because of who He is. And then we can suffer well. So can we do that? Are we willing to do that? And do we fully understand and know who Jesus is? As we transition, the band can come on up. We're transitioning into our time of communion. And this is to remind us again of, of who Jesus is. That He came and He lived on earth as, as a human. And that He died on a cross for our sins so that we could have forgiveness and so that we could live for Him. And so we have the bread which is His body which was broken. And we have the juice which represents His blood which was spilt so that we could have forgiveness of sin. So as you come this morning, 
Again, I want us to ask the question, do we understand who Jesus is? So let's close in prayer and then come and take of the Lord's Supper. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this message that we have heard. Jesus, I ask that we would understand who You are. That it would transform our lives. And that we would live boldly for the Gospel. And that because we live boldly for the Gospel, yes, we would face persecution. But that is, you have promised that. And Jesus, I just pray that as we come and partake of the, the meal, that we would remember who you are and what you have done for us. In Jesus' name.